It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists and, ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lopercaro, and this episode's guest is Billy Martin. Billy Martin is a songwriter based in London. On her last record, Flora Fauna, Billy began to examine herself through her writing. We actually spoke about Flora Fauna back on episode 24 of the podcast. Nearly two years later, she is out with another self-examining record, Drop Cherries. It's a tender, multifaceted observation of long-term love, vulnerability, and finding joy in the mundane. You are officially the third person to return to the podcast. Oh, lovely. Which is really fun because it's it's so cool to get to like go revisit like this is something that I did, you know, I went back and I listened to our last conversation to kind of compare and it's, it's so much fun to kind of get to do that. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I would be intrigued to know what sort of place I was in then, because I feel like every time I put out an album, it's my new take on the world and it's, you know, my new kind of vocabulary on things and you have these sort of stock phrases that you're very used to explaining you know how did you get into music who are your favorite people blah blah blah. and the more I do this the the more I feel like I don't have to tie myself to a script of being an artist and you can just have a very honest normal conversation the way you would at a pub with a friend or whatever so I feel like I'm becoming more of a person so maybe I will watch that listen to that back (laughs) because you also contradict yourself so much and I probably said I'm so happy and and life's going really great and you know everything's fab and then I look at where I was then to now and I think I don't know we're getting there now we're going Mm. somewhere well you definitely sounded like a person on the last one so don't worry um and I'm not going to be asking you like who your inspirations are because as you know we don't do that on this podcast this is as you said it's a proper conversation um I think the one parallel that I could make to that last record and that last conversation um and this is really the one and only one because these two records are very different but 
there's a willingness to self-examine and look at yourself and others from a lot of different angles in all of, you know, the complexity and nuance that a person comes with. And I think that was something that started on the last record. And that is something I think you've carried over to this record. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Very well observed. Yep. Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> I love that. Like, yep, that's it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of the one thing that, again, I would say it really carried over. Because um, you're really good at allowing both yourself and other people to just be flawed and complex human beings. And I think, you know, whereas the last record was mainly focused on yourself, this one's obviously a little more about you and another person, but again, it's allowing both people in the story to be the whole person that they are. Well, I think I always attempt to write songs about other concepts and people and things. And then I never quite managed to um, not shoehorn myself in there. Um, but I think that stems from always struggling to see the separation between being selfish and selfless and, you know, self-absorbed or self-aware and like which one should we be and what's our natural perception of ourselves, especially when your career involves purely talking about and selling your own self, you know, it becomes exhausting. And I think I'm just always trying to find new ways of not reinventing myself, but reinventing the way that I talk to myself and, and that language between, you know, me to me, because each song is kind of like that. They're, they're um, sort of guidances for me. If I look at the first EP and the way I was talking to myself then to now, that's like a, such a huge monumental difference. And it's kind of nice to see your own progress just through your own eyes and not progress in terms of career or whatever, but just like the way you talk to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing that you kind of have such a, a tangible example of that. You know, for most people, it's kind of an internal self-examination, which it still is for you, but you also have this external thing that's kind of serves as a bookmark for each of those different periods of your life. Yeah, and understanding that putting your time, effort, creative energy into something or someone else, actually, you reap all the benefits from that. And I've always loved giving people presents and not really loved receiving them. And that sounds like, you know, humble, but it's a genuine joy and thrill to do that. And then this basically is that concept wrapped up in an album, you know, and I get to play it every night and think about someone else whilst I sing and um, not kind of berate myself and go down that spiral. So it's just refreshing. It is, but again, I like that it's not like putting another person on a pedestal. It's kind of loving another person for exactly who they are. Yeah, I don't. I um, I was very conscious of writing a love themed album um, because one, they've all been done before. It's the most common subject of music, so I had to find a way to sort of chisel my own version and sculpture of love and um there are so many nuances that only i would understand and so many things that are just relevant to me and yet i tried to make songs that 
the feeling of which everybody could empathize with. And it doesn't really matter what sort of relationship it is. I would hope that someone has felt the way I've felt in life because without it, it's pretty, uh, it's just not as good. This is true. I mean, I definitely, there's definitely a few songs on this record that I felt like I was looking in a mirror for. So it's definitely, yeah. So in terms of relatability, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think there's so much on this record about learning how to be vulnerable and learning how to let someone in, learning how to take that jump. And that's, you know, that's something I think that we can all relate to. Um, given all that though, I love that the first track with lyrics on this record is God Above because considering that there is, you know, like some anxiety and like the kind of push and pull later in the record, which is all, you know, a normal part of, of the experience of falling in love, God Above is kind of just saying like, trust the process, like keep walking, you know, whatever, whether it be God, the universe, angels, you name it, whatever it is, whatever it has in store for me, I'm going to trust it and I'm going to walk towards it. Oh, you're so good. Yay. Oh, God, honestly, this is really nice so far. <laughs> yeah, that's the exact feeling. I had um, different lyrics for the chorus originally, but it was always, I know God above and she's everywhere. And I think I said, "I, but I go nowhere. Like, I know there's a thing. And it doesn't matter what form it is, but it it can be kind to people. But for some reason, I'm just stuck in this rut. And I wrote that in the beginning of lockdown and then came back to the chorus because I was like, well, that's kind of a cool melody and it could go somewhere and it's simple and it sort of fits in with the demos I was making at the time. And then turning it into She's Everywhere was like, first of all, you know, all sorts of female power within that song. But second of all, yeah, just leaning into the fact that your conscience, which is often what I think about in terms of when good things happen to me and when bad things happen to me, I'm like, well, whose fault is that? And what have I done to make this happen? And your conscience is just quietly comforting you and holding you and, you know, trust in that. And I, and I had that idea of like tying little wings on my shoes <laughs> and sort of flying up regardless of whether I wanted to go up there or not I love that I, yeah. I like and I like what you said about conscious because I've actually had a lot of conversations with friends about this recently um but it's almost like your rational slash conscious brain versus your anxiety brain and you kind of have to like remind yourself don't listen to the anxiety brain listen to the conscious brain and like I said just trust just keep going you know connecting with another human being will always be a risk and I think that again that's something that we're going to touch on a lot as we talk about the record but sometimes you just have to keep walking forward so mm -hmm. coming back to that and and recentering on the part of your brain that's telling you that versus the one that's like everything's on fire yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have those moments and there are if I mean Acid Tooth is a song that very much represents that spiral and I think it's really important not to have a shiny happy record about shiny happy lovely things without expressing the fact that it's really not my constant state it's just a regular state for me at the moment and there's no kind of guarantee that it'll stay there but there's also no guarantee that it'll go away. Yeah. I, I like that 
you kind of touch on the whole process and like working out the kinks from, you know, what it means to start to fall in love with someone to then what it means to work out being in a long-term relationship. Like we really go from the beginning to not the end, but to where you're at now. And like you said, it's not just the shiny, happy parts of it. It's the weird parts. It's the sad parts. It's the scary parts. And it's the joyful parts. Um, we're, again, we're going to talk about all of that even more in a sec. Acid Tooth is actually one I want to talk about shortly because similar to last time I did the thing where I grouped songs um, into categories. Yeah. But before we do that, um, one of the things that I clocked very quickly when I was listening to God Above was the fact that you pulled some lines directly out of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had to study that a lot in high school. So like that particular part is like tattooed in my brain for the rest of my life. So the second I heard it, I was like, I know what this is. Yeah. So I guess the question. Palm to palm, giving my sin again. Yeah. I, I specific, I did purposefully put something that was so obvious and so well studied and kind of like a classic trope of English literature, just because I felt like it was the complete, uh, you know, like the true essence of there's no better way to say that to talk about love i didn't think mm. well just from my perspective but um i don't know why i think on each album i like to do a bit of stealing and this one was was old school stealing from from mr words mr words <laughs> aka shakespeare William. Um, would that but it's I, funny. I mean loads of people don't know that that's that and that baffles me um yeah i feel like that's a pretty a pretty big one i guess like there's parts of that play that are more famous um in or at least or more known even though that's a very iconic part of that play um we're gonna get into the categories my okay. my little organized brain so i kind of again i grouped songs by themes this time so the first one was really the song's about the fear of getting hurt and the ones that kind of touch on that. So that's, um, I can't get my head around you, Willows and Acid Tooth, as, as you said. And I think before we even get into all of this, the most important takeaway, I think, from these three songs is that all of them, even though they all express a lot of those fears that we feel, at the end of the day, each song still reaffirms the choice to keep pursuing the thing. Mm -hmm. which I think is a really powerful statement that kind of like we said before, it's like in the face of your own anxiety at the end of the day, still making the choice to keep moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. I, I don't think I can add anything to that. Um, I think there's a tendency to get bored with oneself and bored of one's because you have two different narratives. I think you have your permanent narrative, which is you're always going to write something in your style with your semantic field or like your perspective on life that kind of take, you know, it kind of is steady. And then you've got the infiltrated narrative, which is what you gain from other people in the world and films and books and whatever. And I wanted to keep I'd say my default position is I suck, you know. Well, you say that, but like this is how bored I am of that, which is why I don't want to talk about that those feelings anymore. But it is important to 
recognize it and then I'm also arguing I'm I'm kind of arguing with myself in each song you know it's kind of like a constant argument but set to non-argumentative music <laughs> just like the <laughs> the most like calm soothing music but be like you shut up no you shut up you know oh my gosh I love and that that's not, that's not good music the, so, yeah. but but that, I feel like that is such a a normal part of of this type of experience because I mean you know we all deal with those types of feelings about ourselves day in and day out but there's something about being in the process of falling for someone that makes you turn inward like that so much more because you can it's, it's but it is unattractive like that I don't look for those traits in people I don't look for people that don't know themselves or don't understand themselves or don't have room for growth and all these traits you're kind of seeing them through another person's eyes and then you want to kind of correct yourself yeah I don't think I could have got here without being in something as committed and as kind of like all-consuming as this relationship but I, I I you know I made sure not to be too final with things like this mm-hmm. is my final place this is my final perspective like wrapping up the the time uh, as a kind of nihilistic or, or finite thing I think it was important to kind of think keep things open you know absolutely I mean you know we're both still like people in our 20s like I think it'd be a little concerning if you were talking about finality at this point exactly. in your life yeah yeah it like... doesn't matter how good it is I'm, I'm very aware of of how little life I've lived so far and it just happens to be turbo in my case and everything started early and and everything got really busy and sort of intense and I think I'm drawn to that naturally so it's important to let it come in but it but it's also a reminder to myself that yeah things change and evolve and this is just where I'm at right now absolutely well kind of separately because I know you mentioned acid tooth before there was this one lyric that I think really jumped out to me and it's kind of that same idea of like the rational brain versus the anxiety brain but it's the line and you'll worry yourself into mistrust because that one just like again it's I mean for one thing obviously when you first start dating a person it's like this crazy like gathering of information and you feel like you're like should I take should I is this person good are they not is this this and and they may find it well be but if you're coming into a situation with anxiety or with your own past experience that again that little sticky anxiety part of your brain can kind of come in and want to take over the process a little bit so I found I guess I found that line very relatable but you know it's such a like human reaction to things that can be super annoying to have to sit with yeah I think I didn't trust who I was with I didn't trust who I it's that thing of you know when you're walking down the street or you're in town or you're in a shop or something and then a friend texts you saying I just saw you from the bus or like you know I just saw you walking there whatever so they've observed you without you knowing which is a great fear of mine because I don't know what my face is doing I don't know what my body's doing because I'm only aware of it when I'm talking to someone and a relationship is basically allowing someone to observe you and see you through the true lens which is which is you on your own as you are and then if they like that you're in and similarly if you love them at their true essence then great and if 
if they want to change that in any way or if they say like you know you did say this and and I don't I don't really appreciate that and I don't like what sort of character that makes you or you know you can be quite stubborn or whatever that's not the way to go about things sure we have to work on ourselves and become nicer people but that very much has to be your own decision and it can't be swayed by someone's opinion of you I think yeah Absolutely. But but so true that it is such an insanely vulnerable thing. That's kind of why I was saying like it can sometimes make you turn inward because you are being perceived very intensely. So you're like, is this part of me okay? Is this aspect of my personality okay? Oh my God. And yeah, it's, and then it's weird. It and you're like, okay, cool. Well, sometimes it's going to come out and sometimes it's not. And Acid Tooth was written just before I went to LA beginning of last year and I was not in a good way um and despite being you know in sunny California with lots of happy people everywhere it it made me go hardcore the other way and I was outside the Chinese theater middle of Hollywood and then my brain went you're done you know, go and sort this out because I can't. And then all my thoughts were circling and circling and circling and I couldn't find a way out. It was almost like I couldn't see. And then um, my partner was with me at the time and he was kind of like, I think you're, I think something's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And I put my head in his chest and I didn't want to see anyone and I was crying and like I was in a state. It was really unhappy. And um, that was the sort of prompt I had to try and never feel like that again, or if I did feel like that again, I would have some sort of toolkit as to how to navigate that. And Acid Tooth is is a complete, like, if I think about Acid Tooth, I think about that moment. And um, I also enjoy playing the song. I think I think you're, you're allowed to enjoy those moments. And sometimes it feels really good to cry because you bottle it up for so long. And then I tend to keep things quiet for a few months. And then all of a sudden something comes out and I'm learning now to do that less. Um, But yeah, that whole, that whole scene is kind of like epitomized in acid tooth. Yeah. And that's that. (laughs) That is that. And again, I think it is a really normal human experience to have that. So Again, it's it's nice to have those songs to feel those things rep- reflected back for us, I guess. Again, it's it's a cheesy thing, but you know, having music sort of validate the experiences that we all go through is always super important to people, myself included. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, going on to the kind of next section and I kind of there the thing that you're talking about about like this idea of like kind of bottling things up before you say them kind of leads in well because there's a couple songs that seem to deal with being afraid of either being vulnerable or being afraid to just kind of say the thing whether that be you know telling someone how you feel about them or having a difficult conversation anything that can kind of fall under that like I felt like there was a few songs a couple songs so for me I put Arrow and Devil Swim under those categories one coming from one person and one coming from the other person is that sort of in the right direction or or not really 
Not at all, but I love it. Really? Okay. Well, I like being wrong too. I'm always curious when I'm wrong too, because obviously like I'm going to read what's in front of me and I'm going to interpret it one way, but- There is no wrong. There is no wrong at all. Wrong quote unquote in the sense of that wasn't the original idea, but I like that. Yeah. I mean, so Devil Swim was- trying to get myself up that hill and not quite achieving it. And in the end, just giving up halfway through and going, I wish you could just be better to myself. You know, I wish you could let the badness like physically leave your body because I'm so tired and I'm bored. And then, what was the other one? Willow. Arrow. Arrow. Arrow, yeah, was written just after I left Dom's studio, which is where we did the record in the end. And we did a day or two of pre-prod, just gathering together the songs. I would sit there just with a guitar and he'd record it on his phone and, and we'd sort of go through things, see if anything was good. And I didn't have Arrow, but I remember feeling like there was a missing piece to the, al- to the album. And I wrote the lyrics without any music on the train back home. So I found that that was a really helpful exercise because I was trying to find what this album meant and what the core was and I think Arrow is kind of kind of the one on the album that I would say represents it the best maybe not uh, in terms of tone and and melody and whatever but if you strip it all down it's a very simple song and we just had a live take of me Will and Nick guys from Flight with three guitars and we did that with Acid Tooth as well so there was kind of like a pattern of basically doing a live recorded voice note, but putting it on a record. Yeah, and and the, the true line for me that I could sing forever is um, uh, climbing the tower without ringing the bell. I'm at war with my shadow, roads dark and narrow, but I am the arrow. And that's the bit where I go, because it was originally gonna be, I am the arrow that shoots. Um, but I felt that that wasn't really the type of arrow that I wanted to describe. Like I wanted it to be, you know, when there's like a heart that's done in smoke and then the arrow like punctures the cloud, but it still makes a formation of something grand and gestural and enormous, but simple. And I wanted it to be like that rather than a bow and arrow, which is violent which is dark which is medieval and um yeah as I sing those lines and it gets higher and higher and I get stressed as I'm coming up to the top of the tower and I'm failing at the top but then I'm not because you know I have this thing I don't know yeah do the two songs have any connection because I know you mentioned this idea of climbing up a hill on uh on devil and then on arrow again there's that line which i have in my notes by the way as soon as you said it like it's one of the lines that i i made a note of like this idea of like getting right up to the thing and then just being like no no i'm not yeah gonna yeah, do yeah. It. yeah yeah and I've, i i was always the one like the kid that never really climbed the tree or the one that took ages to get into the sea because i was too cold and i was too scared and i didn't want to feel uncomfortable and i think i'm taking that learning a lesson consequently have become better at getting in cold water but um you know learning to to mold yourself to your own benefit and yeah the the concept of climbing I always feel like there's something really big and heavy on my back and 
and it's slowly fading. Yeah. I, I have to say Arrow is my favorite song on the record and it's the one that I personally relate to the most because I think, you know, mm-hmm. I know last time we talked about this idea of being like people pleasers because again, like recognizing like, but I think one of the other sides of the coin of that is being terrible at conflict or terrible at putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Um, and and this song, again, felt like it was, as you, you kind of inferred, like it's grappling with that, but ultimately making the decision to keep going and to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And just creating lyrics and melodies that serve that. Because quite often I've made something that is linear or quite colloquial and I've sort of dumbed down a feeling before because I felt that it wasn't applicable to someone or it wasn't appropriate and now it's about crafting musically what you want to say as well as lyrically yeah yeah it's amazing when you put those two together it's part of why like I love musical theater for example for that reason because it's a lot of melody having to serve a narrative in a very direct sense and same with like film scoring and anything kind of in those worlds like it's very intentionally making the music influence the way that you interpret the lyrics as well totally and i'm recently getting into theater really yeah um going back into this um I mean, we've we've covered a lot in this section, so I think I'm actually going to to jump to the next one, which is the songs that are just giving over to the feeling of love and just allowing yourself to be like fully saturated in that feeling. So for me, that's the title track, Drop Cherries, I've Been to Him, Tongue, and Nothing But Mine. Oh, nailed it. Yay, I did it. Um, There's something when I was reading about the record where you talked about this idea of love feeling like dropping like what is it like a red juice or a red something on like a cream white carpet and it's it's funny because I feel like that touches again making all the parallels like these ideas you know you talked on the on some of the last songs about kind of being more sheltered not wanting to take the jump and kind of protecting yourself from things and to be in love is allowing yourself to be just fully saturated in this feeling and you don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing until you take the jump Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. fucking terrifying but it feels amazing and I think coming from a background of difficulty with relationships and a lot of confusion kind of growing up in music and meeting all these big characters and you know larger than life people that really knew themselves and then you realize later that they were like super sad egotistical nightmares but at the time coming from a younger really inexperienced perspective I admired people like that and I found that darker people were drawn to me and I guess I had that like sign on my head that was like you know she's complicated and dark or whatever and then this version of it is brand new to me uh I never felt equal in a relationship. I think that's really important to to register when it does happen. You know, always kind of feeling like the inferior one, the less experienced, the emotionally confused um, character, which isn't true. And there's so many forms of love that are so simple. And tongue is 
you know, it was admittedly written really quickly on the piano after a really unsuccessful day in the studio. And then I had this little almost toy-like blue pianette from the 30s. And um, it's always out of tune. Um, we eventually used a piano in Wales that was under the stairs, but it still sounded good. Anyway, um, I just found that melody really childlike, but kind of sad and, and melancholic in its own way. And then I wanted to appear vulnerable from my perspective, which was, I like you so much. Um, can I put you in my shoe? You know? <laughs> and that's kind of all I wanted to say there. I think it's important just to go, you know, there's there's such beauty in simplicity. And I, and I look for that in all forms of my life. When you get a slice of it, you don't want to let it go away. Yeah, it really is the little things that are important. And we're going to get to that even more in the last section, which is kind of the songs about uh, a long-term relationship and the kind of beauty and simplicity that can come from that. But... The thing that you're saying about like how sometimes it can feel like you draw these kind of dark people in. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I think in the last like, I don't know, decade or so, especially for whether it be like women in indie or like women or girls that kind of are in those sort of like circles, not necessarily like musicians, but people who listen to that kind of music. There was this yeah. like sad indie girl trope that I felt like we all kind of had to embody and so I know for me, like as a teenager, I always felt like I had to be this like sad, mysterious, complicated, oh, I like so much mystery. Yeah. But it was so unhealthy because you're like, oh, to be attractive, I have to be miserable. Yeah. I'm still getting to grips with where the power sockets are. <laughs> it's a new home. It's normal. Yep. Um, what you're saying, it um, was so true. Um I definitely played to the gallery in some respects there. I, I definitely had this character thrust upon me and then I had to sort of play into that a bit more than I should have. Um, but then again, I was sad. I, As a teenager, I loved sadness and um, I loved being moody and, and I always felt that no one felt things on my level, my unique level of feeling, which isn't which was very light, I suppose. Um, but it feels good to shed the sad women thing. Cause I, I mean, I think loads of men are openly to neighbor doing the school run. I think loads of men are openly sad and, you know, my favorite guys, Nick Drake and John Martin, that they um, really struggled with that stuff and wrote songs like Solid Air and Black Dog and and um, I love them for that. And I don't, when I think of them, I don't think of them as sad people. I think of them as happy people that experience sad things. And that is how I would characterize myself. I think I'm a sunny person, but, you know. You come across as one. I think the takeaway is really we're allowed to be not just sad it's it's rather than it having to consume the entirety of who we are it's you can be like you said a happy person that experiences sad things and you can also write about the happy things too and i think there's more of an i mean not to say that people haven't been writing happy songs for forever but i think there's more of an appreciation for them especially in this sort of 
world um, or these like these types of songs. It's nice to see people again embracing joy and not just sadness or or the places where the two interact. You know what I mean? They can be friends. They, they can. can be. And you can also talk about the mid-level stuff, the not being on cloud nine and they're not being in a pit of despair. I, I really enjoy the mundane and I really enjoy, as I said, very simple acts that sort of keep you rolling on. And I think those things are almost way more true to form and, and helpful than than the big life moments or all the big swings in in your brain. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is a perfect place to talk about those last few songs because I think so much of the key to long-term relationships working is to just enjoy the small things, to enjoy the mundane, because not everything is this big grand gesture. It's, you know, the honeymoon phase dies and it becomes kind of like you said earlier, just being with a person in their truest form in the days or day in and day outs of life so again those songs for me are this is how we move just us and i think um i been to him has a little bit of an aspect of that too so it's going to be in two sections essentially yeah i agree again yeah um just us sounds darker than it is because the narrative is kind of funny because it, it really was when uh we both had covid and i couldn't play some festivals so I was pretty sad about that and it was super hot but we all we could do was just lie in the darkness and try to breathe or try to feel normal and it was one of those ones where I wasn't getting anything out of the guitar and I was doing the same stuff I always do so I turned the tuning pegs and then I put the guitar on the table and then I walked to the kitchen and I sort of snuck up on it and ran to the guitar, swung it over, played that first chord and played it backwards. So it's going up. And I was like, okay, we're in, we're in, there's some sort of new space. And I wanted to match that kind of otherworldly feeling with I'm stuck in the house with you and it's just us and these two flies that keep spinning around the room and they've got nowhere to go and we've got nowhere to go. And I do believe in miracles. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be about having COVID um, to any degree, but I love that. And oh my God, COVID does make you loopy. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's that makes sense to just kind of be like in this strange space. But it's funny, I didn't read it as a sad song at all. Maybe because I've learned myself to love the little things and and to love the mundane. Like this kind of just being in a moment with, your partner even if that moment is again riddled with a very infectious disease it's yep. still a moment with that person and just taking that in mm -hmm. i mean we we tried to make really spicy food so we could taste something that didn't happen i hate mayonnaise so he started putting secret mayonnaise in sandwiches because i wouldn't taste it but i still did <laughs> I wrong we bought um, old school Monopoly from eBay for like a pound and then played that for maybe six hours. You know, there are ways to, but the only productive thing I got from two weeks of being in that house was, was this song. Well, it's a great song, so it's a good thing to get out of it. I don't think I got anything out of 
the time that I had COVID, which was like a month or two ago. Um, another one, and I, I think the thing I like about the other two songs that I kind of put in this category is they're the sort of like, both like working out the kinks of, you know, of a relationship just, I mean, I'm sure like even like living with a partner too and everything from like how you show affection to how you communicate to who does the washing up and when. Like it's, it's amazing how just living with another human being in your space, like it just, again, it's, it's learning to find your rhythm. Yeah, that's exactly what the song is in a physical and sort of spiritual sense. And it is interesting going through that experiment when you're both people that need creative space, you're both people that work from home and also will be away for months at a time. Uh, and they will never, ever line up no matter how hard you try. Um, but it's something that I have enjoyed exploring about myself uh, and also recognizing that I love my own company just as much as I as I thought I did. <laughs> um, but that song, how did I, I can't remember how that happened. I think I had the riff for ages and it felt like a classic, you know, old school, I don't know, Crosby Stills riff or something. And it resonated with me so much that I just wanted to write about the here and the now and um, sort of explaining to the world kind of how two people operate and and what happened and how life was like before because there's a verse that goes back and how it wasn't as good as it is now and and yeah just I had I had the idea of of characters being on a chessboard and it's like your move my move your move my move and then this is how we move and it tends to work like a a well-oiled machine um yeah yeah I think the last thing I'll I'll touch on is with I've been to him you know, it, as much as I think ultimately it deals with the, like, beautiful, all-encompassing feeling of love, I like that it kind of seems to acknowledge, you know, like, sometimes, you know, the dynamic isn't perfect because you're a human being. Like, people can, like, pick at each other or, you know, like, especially if you're living in the same space. But I like that it's, like, even though, like, it's talking about those little things, like, little quabbles or little thing, like, and little whatever when you step back and look at the larger picture, it's like, ultimately, this is fulfilling and this is beautiful. And in a deeper sense, I am happy. Yeah, exactly that. In a deeper sense, I am happy. I mean, I could probably do that as the tagline for the album. Drop Cherries is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lobricaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford.